This past week, I celebrated a birthday, but it wasn't a big birthday. Because big birthdays, we know, turning age 21 or 40, 65, 80, 100, those are big birthdays. But it was certainly a sweet day filled with family and messages from the community, but it didn't feel big. This week, I fortuitously came across an advertisement for Dr. Edward Stieglitz's book on aging. The advertisement had come out in 1947 in an edition of the Chicago Tribune. The advertisement was a commentary on longevity, and it read as follows. In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. But what counts, it's the life in your years. Which begs the question, in my 42 years of life, how much living have I done? Now, it's not a question that I alone am meant to answer. In fact, right now, as we begin the Hebrew month of Elul, it's the exact question that every single one of us should be pondering at this very moment. Not how many years have we lived, but rather how much living have we done? Now, it's not exactly a fair question because we can't generalize what it means to truly live. For one person, that definition may include visiting every single U.S. major baseball stadium. That's not my definition. For another, living might mean studying the entirety of the Talmud. Maybe living is cherishing Shabbat meals every week with family and friends. And living might even mean binge-watching your favorite Netflix shows with the people you love the most. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Or maybe it's all of the above. I can't suggest the same definition for each person. But I can suggest that we use this Hebrew month of Elul, that we use these very precious weeks to help reorient ourselves to what and to who is most important. Most of us know the famous quote by Rabbi Hillel, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, then when? Now the text is often used to motivate service and action in an egocentric world, but I want to use the text a little bit differently today. I see it as the beginning of a spiritual directive. Because in order to determine exactly what our priorities are right now, we have to look inward. We have to have the courage to face ourselves. If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? And so in a very different way of reading that first line of Hillel's message, I'm interpreting the words to mean, if I'm lying to myself. If I'm lying to myself, who will tell me the truth? If I look into a mirror and I can't recognize who stares at me from the other side, or perhaps 
I do recognize that reflection and not that happy with what I see. Who am I? If I'm afraid to hold up that mirror at all, who or what have we become? Arthur Brooks, author of the Atlantic column, How to Build a Life, writes, quit lying to yourself. And he explains that we all do it. We're human beings. Of course we do it. That while self-deception may feel good in the short term, that ignorance may be bliss, it's an irresponsible waste of a life. He concludes personal integrity is absolutely necessary for personal progress. Progress requires knowing honestly where you are compared to where you have been. Now, by no means do I think that the Hebrew month of Elul, that this very time, is about shaming ourselves into a reframed behavioral contract. But I do think that Elul can offer an honest introspection of the soul. Not a to-do list of what needs to be done. We all have those to-do lists. But a true searching out and defining of the person we are meant to be. The person we want to be. You can see we don't just jump into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and start praying for things to happen. For things to change in our lives. But the calendar's magical. We're given this very time to ease into this season. But the tradition is clear. We can start nowhere else but with ourselves. There's a parable I want to share with you about a handyman. This handyman was hired to paint a boat. And this man was meticulous in his painting. In his assignment, he made sure it took him hours, that he left no part of the boat unpainted. But as he began to finish the job and the boat began to dry from the paint, he noticed excess paint filling in under the side of the boat, and he realized that has nothing to do with the paint on the brush. But rather, as he looked at the boat, he noticed a minuscule hole, the smallest hole possible, almost a hole no one else would have seen. And he thought to himself, well, that's not really my job to fix the hole. I could just move on. But something compelled him to quickly mend the break. And he never told the owner. In fact, all he said to the owner is, my job is complete. Well, a few days later, the owner of the boat found the handyman. And he started to offer profuse thanks And the handyman had forgotten what he had done, and he didn't understand, why are you so excited about me painting your boat? And you see, said the owner, I knew there was a small hole in that boat. But what I didn't realize is that the boat would look so beautiful that my children would decide to take that boat onto the lake. And I knew that even the smallest hole would be dangerous. And so the fact that you decided to mend the hole meant that my children are still alive. The handyman looked back to the owner and simply responded, you know, I've learned. It's often the smallest holes that do the biggest damage, and it's often the smallest of repair that can have the greatest of reward. 
the smallest of holes, the smallest of repair. What is it that we need to fix? What is it that needs mending at this point in our lives? Is it the mending of one particular relationship, someone you deeply love, but for some reason grudge keeps getting in the way of reaching out or making that phone call? The repair of self-worth, reteaching ourselves that we are worthy of more than what we have been told. The repair of forgiveness, yes, self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others. We know that there's small holes, but we also know that with small holes can come very deep wounds. Over this month, we engage in tshuva, repentance, but quite literally, a return. A return to the person God intends for us to be. Rabbi Alan Liu writes, Now where is this thing called tshuva found? Where can you find it? And he answers, don't look off in the distance. Don't look outside yourself either. The Torah is telling us, look at your own heart. What is the pain that is pressing on your heart at this very moment? He says, that's what you need to make tshuva about. You already know what needs repairing. We just need to be willing to look inward to find the damage, to look inward to find that debilitating hole. So, I saw the Barbie movie over the weekend. That's why I'm wearing pink. I also like pink. <laughs> but without spoiling the movie, I encourage all of you to go watch it. Barbie is faced with stark differences between Barbie land and reality. Now in Barbie land, everything is seemingly perfect. Your feet don't entirely touch the ground. Wearing heels is much easier. Sounds pretty good. You quite literally float through the air. You wake up with flawless skin and hair. Life feels in Barbie land as if nothing could be better. Until Barbie wakes up one day and realizes that even in Barbie land, perfection cannot escape the breaking through of worry, of sadness, of anger, of resentment, of hurt. And she experiences revelation after revelation and ponders you know, maybe all the things that you thought made you, you, aren't you. And in her final aha moment, she declares, I don't think I have an ending. Now, there are many lessons in this movie, some of which I promise I will save for another time. But what I believe Barbie discovers about herself and those around her is that we are yet to be formed. What a beautiful gift. That each day is an opportunity to refine one's purpose and determine what fractures of our heart are meant to be healed so that we can truly experience the fullness of life. 
Emerson once said, we don't grow old. When we cease to grow, we become old. It's this very time of year that reminds us that we need not celebrate a birthday to begin a spiritual journey. As the daily blasts of the shofar wake us up, I believe that we can hear God begging us, praying that we choose to look inward, discovering the smallest fissures of the soul, the splinters that are begging to be noticed. And so I pray for all of us, May it be a new year filled with inward discovery, filled with heartfelt healing, honest reflection, and choosing to look into that mirror, seeing exactly who we are and who we are meant to be.